Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 162 of Dogcast Radio. You can find all our shows, plus all the links and information you need about anything dog-related and how to get in touch with us on the Dogcast Radio site, www.dogcastradio.com. In this show, we explore how and why you can make training fun with your dog with Lynn Dubois. Well, I always say training should be fun. It should be fun for the dog and it should be fun for the owner. That way, you're both working together and you're both enjoying it. But before Lynn, we talked to Amanda Fuller about her dog, Keller. Keller is a beautiful Australian shepherd, but unfortunately, she's a double merle, which can have devastating consequences for a dog. But let's start at the beginning. I asked Amanda what a merle is. So a merle is a type of coat pattern um, Mm. that's found in a couple different breeds of dog. well, more than a couple, a bunch of different breeds of dogs, um, Australian Shepherds, Border Collies, Great Danes, Chihuahuas. Um, it's found in Dachshunds. It's called Dapple for them. Hmm. Um, but it pretty much, it's a pattern on the coat, and it kind of, it kind of gives it like a marbled or speckled look. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of like a famous Merle dog, but none are popping to mind. Um, but yeah, so it gives the coat just a marble or speckled kind of finish. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it's pretty popular. People seem to really like it. It's flashy. Yeah. Well, I have to say, he, he's not, he doesn't qualify as famous, but uh, Rusty, who's a Border Collie, is a, a red merle. So okay. if anybody wants to see just a, an, an ordinary merle, we've got, well, I won't say ordinary, but he's, you know, he's a red merle. He, he, he does get a lot of comments. People are, oh, what is he? He's really handsome. Yeah, merle, um, for whatever reason, it grabs a lot more attention than the solid counterparts. Yeah, do. yeah. Okay, so... That merle, you know, we've established that's that's a, a you know a pretty or a handsome looking dog. So, what's a double merle? So, a double merle is the product of two merles mating. So, when you have two merles and you put them together, um, each puppy in the litter has a chance of getting a twenty five percent chance of inheriting the merle gene twice. Mm. Um, so when the Merle gene is inherited once, you get that pretty marbled kind of speckled look throughout the solid color coat. Mm-hmm. And when it's inherited twice, the solid color coat, instead of becoming marbled and speckled, it gets whitened um, mm-hmm. because that's what the Merle gene does. It dilutes the solid coat. So when you add it twice, it strips the color. And um, as a result of them not having color, um, they come with some problems, some health concerns or disabilities, if you will. Um, but that's, I guess, the easiest way to explain what yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. So it's, we, it's obviously it's a, it's a bad thing. I mean, I I remember when we we took um, ah Red Merle to mm-hmm. um, out and about. We were at a show, um, not not a dog show, a country show, and um, this this farmer came up and said, oh, "Would you consider breeding him?" And I said, "No." And he said, "Oh, I, you know, I'd, I'd love a Merle." And I don't know enough about breeding to breed, so I just never would. But and he was saying, "Oh, he's he's so striking," and he said. He he knew someone who'd had a merle puppy in their litter, and they didn't know what it was. And for years, they sort of thought, "Oh, we'll, we'll just get rid of them." So, I mean, this merle gene—it does carry—it is unusual, but it does carry some really bad luck, if you like, with it, doesn't it? Yeah, if it's not bred properly, it can have some catastrophic events for the puppies. I mean, it's manageable, but I mean, why create a puppy that doesn't have you know all of its senses or you know the ideal life, if you will? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so obviously, the, the puppies, if they inherit two copies of the male gene, they can have a, a variety of quite serious. Um, so, yeah, um, if they inherit the male gene twice, um, it kind of depends on where the coat gets lightened and whitened. Hmm. Uh, so, if they're if they have most of them, generally have pretty white heads. So kind of, at least in Australian Shepherds, with a rule of thumb is a white head's usually a bad sign. Yeah. Uh, because deafness is actually a result of the little teeny tiny ears and the, um, the hair in the ears. If they are not fully developed, um, they don't function properly, so the dog can't hear. Yeah. So when hairs are white, that means they don't work, so the dog will be deaf. So most often, an all-white head dog that isn't supposed to be white will be deaf. And then the same goes with its eyes. Australian shepherds are supposed to have pigment and color around their eyes. 
if they don't, they can have different um, eye abnormalities. Yeah, yeah. So, and obviously, this is this is a serious issue. So, what happens to to most double merles? So it really depends. Mm. Uh, there are some really. I mean, I kind of consider all breeders that do it terrible, but yes, there yes. are some really terrible ones that will just kill the puppies mm. uh, when they come out. Like they just see that they have a white puppy and then they dispose of the puppy. Usually not humanely. Yeah. Really yeah. killing a puppy is humane in any way, but um, yeah, usually, you know, shooting, drowning, like just the worst things you can think of. Mm. Um, there are the other side of people who really just had no idea what they were doing, ended up with some white puppies and they'll turn them over to a rescue. So then at least they have, you know, some yeah. sort of chance depending on, you know, if it's a breed specific rescue or if it's, you know, a high kill shelter, mm-hmm. I guess that would be the dependence there for them. And then there are other breeders that, again, just had no idea what they were doing, have some puppies and are selling them, but, you know, they don't disclose that they could be deaf or blind or both, or they don't, just don't know. Yeah. So yeah. then, you know, unsuspecting buyers, they buy a puppy because it's cute. Then they find out it can't hear. So then it ends up in a shelter anyway. Yeah. So they usually are born with pretty, you know, unknown fates of if, you know, are they going to find a family? Or are they going to live? Um, it's pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, even you know, there's a very strong message here that obviously you don't breed dogs unless you know what you're doing. But certainly yeah. if you've got a Merle dog, you really, really don't breed unless you really, and you never put a Merle with Merle, but you don't breed a Merle unless you know what you're doing. Yeah, so it is safe to breed a Merle dog if you breed it to a solid. Mm-hmm. So like in Australian Shepherds, you have Merle and then you have solids, which are usually red tri or red bi or black tri, something like that. So it is safe to breed those together because that solid dog doesn't have a Merle gene to contribute to the puppies. Yeah. So when you breed those together, you just get normal Merles and solids, and there's no risk of, you know, deafness, blindness, or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that's good to know. So if, you have, if, if the dog has a Merle gene, even one copy, it will be apparent in its coat. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so, so tell us how Keller came into your life then. So Keller, she, I saw a picture of her on the oh. internet scrolling through Facebook and she was just the cutest little puppy I had ever seen. Um, <laughs> and I had kind of been thinking about adding a second dog, but I was still living at home and would have to consult my parents. Wasn't really sure. Um, so I had like I had emailed some breeders here and there, but I saw a picture of her. She was adorable, and I just couldn't get her out of my head. Um, so I just went ahead and emailed the people that had made the post about her, and found out that she was like two hours away from me. And it's like, okay, well, it's good to know. Um, yeah. So thought about it a little more, started you know talking to my parents about it. And they were like, no, we're not having another doll. <laughs> um, so a little bit of convincing, um, you know, I pulled the pity card. I was like, you know, guys, she's deaf, you know, she's vision impaired. They were going to shoot her. Oh. Um, you know, I had to pull the pity card to win my parents over. <laughs> um, but eventually, you know, they gave me the okay. So I took my other dog, Kai, and got in the car, drove to Lancaster, Lancaster Pennsylvania, which around here, it's a pretty big, like, breeding, puppy mill, terrible dog area. There are tons of puppies coming from there. Um, So I drove there and met these two ladies that had taken her from the breeder that was going to kill her. Mm -hmm. Um, She had been living with their families on and off for like two weeks, just going from house to house. Um, So I met them, sat with them for like two hours and talked to them about the puppy and all the research I had done on the internet to like prepare for meeting her and possibly bringing her home. Um, so eventually the end of our meeting, they were like, all right, I think you would be a good home. And so she came home with me. I was very scared. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I didn't expect for her to come home that day. So, and they were like, okay, do you want to take her? I'm like, I don't even have puppy food, (laughs) Um, but we made it work and she came home with us that day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how old was she roughly? She was um, almost eight weeks. She was like seven and a half weeks. Yeah. Oh, so she was tiny, gosh. Yeah. yeah. She was a baby. Oh, oh. And, and Kai took to her, did he? Yeah. Um, 
Kai's always been really good with other dogs. Um, I was a little nervous just how she would handle having, you know, another dog in the house because Kai was like two and a half when I brought Keller in. So she was pretty established as being an only dog and I wasn't sure how she would handle splitting up attention. But they have bonded more than I ever could have imagined. They oh, are the best friends in the entire world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do think there's something wonderful about watching your dogs interact. You know, yeah. they, they do get so much out of other dog company as well as, I mean, they love human company, but there is yes. something fun about watching them interact and play, you know. Yeah, it's amazing how they form bonds. Yeah, yeah. So obviously Keller had challenges to to face um so what's keller's life like it's normal yeah okay great (laughs) a lot of people the idea of a deaf or a blind or vision impaired or you know any any handicap three legs you know anything you can think of it scares people because it's not the normal um but keller's life is 100 percent normal there is nothing that kai doesn't do that keller can't do and if she can't do it, you better believe she's going to try. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, we do everything that a dog should do. You know, we do training classes, we hike, we swim. Um, she knows all of her commands through um, hand and touch signals. We're dabbling in agility, and she's doing really good with that. Um, I mean, it's like there's not, not that there's anything wrong with her, but it's like there's nothing different about her. Yeah. Yeah, it is amazing. Dogs seem. I, I interviewed somebody recently um, who has a, a completely blind border collie that does mm-hmm. agility, and I think I, I spoke to the lady that does agility with a blind um, Burmese Burmese mountain dog, um, and they just seem. I, I, it's kind of almost like nobody's told them they're at, they're at a slight disadvantage. So it's just like, okay, we'll just get on with it. They don't exactly. worry about it. They just live <laughs> exactly. life, don't they? Uh huh. They. I mean, that's their life. They don't know anything different you know they came out that way they've been that way so unless you hold them back they really don't know that they're any different (laughs) yeah yeah I I think that's right because they do dogs you know I found with my dog that if I take that risk and go oh he might be able to do that he will just rise to the occasion and go I can do this like you know and it's they meet your expectation but obviously as you've mentioned some of the things that like you use signals with them Keller but I mean um so what, what kind of um, other adaptations have you had to use with Keller? Um, I mean, really not that many. She, mm. um, she has some eye abnormalities, so she struggles a little bit with her eyes. Um, so she does have really cute little pink sunglasses <laughs> that she wears. Oh. Um, her pupils just don't react normally to the light. So like if we're out hiking and we're in the woods and then all of a sudden the woods break up, you can just see her kind of stumble and lose her confidence and she'll fall back and walk more with me. Mm. So um, we use the glasses out when it's sunny and they really seem to help her. She doesn't struggle yeah. um, or anything like that. But I mean, other than that, she she really is just normal. Yeah, that's amazing. That's been... Now, what about recall? Because if, if Keller's sort of running off in the other direction and you, you can't sort of shout or whistle. So how, how do you do a recall? So we have had a couple scares mainly when she was younger, where she just took off in the other direction. I mean, there's really nothing you can do. Yes. (laughs) I know that's not a good answer, but if they are not paying attention to you and they take off, you just have to run after them. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, you sometimes if you just stop, they'll realize that you stopped. But I had one time where she just took off out of the gate, like it was open. I don't know why or how, but she took off down the road and I, I mean, my neighbors probably thought I was crazy because I'm running down the road, like jumping and waving my <laughs> arms, trying to get her attention. Cause I mean, that's what she would respond to was yes. like moving and signaling to her. So I'm sure I looked like a fool, but she did turn around and come back. Oh, bless. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten a lot better. That was, she was pretty young then, but I mean, she's off leash most of the time. Um, she has a signal for come. If I give it to her, you know, she comes. It's all about just whether or not she's looking at me in order yeah. to keep it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she is very dependent on my other dog. So Kai also has a really good recall. Yeah. Um, so if they're off doing something and I call Kai, Keller's going to follow behind her because she doesn't want to get left or yeah. miss out on the fun or whatever we were doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. If, when you've got your first dog's training in place – 
training your second dog is a lot easier because they do yeah. follow, don't they? Yeah. Yes. Whether they're, you know, can hear or not hear, it works wonders yeah. to have a second dog. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do you know many other, I'm, I'm assuming that because, you know, you, you, you get attention and Keller gets attention, that you've, you've met other double Merle owners and do they tend to, you know, as long as they know what they're, they're sort of taking on, do they tend to cope okay as well? Yeah, I've met a ton of people. My roommate actually adopted a double Merle because oh. Keller, <laughs> I guess we kind of inspired her. Yes. Um, so she has a double Merle. Um, we actually have four dogs in the house. but So we have two double Merles and then two regular hearing Australian Shepherds. But um, So she has one, and again, she is perfectly normal, does everything with all the other dogs. Um, we have a Facebook group, um, that I created for double moral owners to kind of, you know, unite us so we could ask for advice, you know, share stories, cry together, whatever was necessary. There's a ton of amazing men and women in there with beautiful dogs. Um, some of them are therapy dogs. Some of them do agility. A lot of them are passing their canine good citizen tests, which I don't know if you guys have that over there. Yeah. Yes, we do. We have the, okay. the, the English Kennel Club does that. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people are doing that with their dogs. I mean, they really are capable of doing anything, you know, that another dog could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I know you're, you're sort of trying to spread awareness of, of the, the double male um, issue. So yes. what is your message to people? To stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, it's 100% preventable. Like, there, actually in the UK, um, which is where you are, right? Yes, yeah. So in the UK, the UK Kennel Club actually has banned the registration of Merle to Merle litters. Oh, so, um, meaning that, so if I take my Merle Aussie and breed it to my other Merle Aussie, and, you know, say I have five Merles, a solid, and a double Merle, and I'm one of the people that kill the double Merle, I then am unable to register all of those, you know, normal puppies. Mm, yeah. So that is a – I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's definitely a good move, isn't it? Yeah. The, I commend the UK for doing that. Um, <laughs> I actually – we started a petition for the American Kennel Club to do the same. Um, they haven't blinked an eye or anything at it yet, but – it. We are still gaining signatures, so yeah, hopefully okay. one day that'll happen. But yeah, yeah, well, we'll just we'll, want to stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll put the link to the the petition on the okay. uh, the dogcast site and, and sort of on our social media pages as well. Um, so that's that's is that one of the best ways people can help you know sign the petition? Yeah, sign the petition, and then I mean just educate people. Um, that's really you know we make a ton of posts on our Facebook page that get shared all over. So, I mean, really just education is the only thing. A lot of people just don't know that you're not supposed to do it. Like, there are just a lot of accidental, even though I don't know how much of an accident it is if you have to unalter dogs. But Yeah, um, yeah. Just accidental, like they just had no idea, didn't do any research. So, as long as we can reach people and teach them that, you know, maybe eventually all of the rescues that are taking these dogs in will have to close their doors or, you know, just take in regular dogs or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it's, it is a, it's an interesting area, but obviously it is an area that people need to know about. And again, yeah. you know, it, it's, breeding is not to be taken lightly, is it? Yeah, um, not. <laughs> so uh, you've got the Facebook page. Um, where else can people find out about um, Keller and, and Double Mills online? So I'm trying to think. Um, we have the Facebook page. We have a website called um, doublemerls.info um, that talks all about double morals, has different people's stories from owners and their experiences. Um, we have the Facebook page. I have a blog that I kind of jabber, jibber jabber on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I don't know if you're familiar with Victoria Stillwell. Yes, yeah. Um, she has a website called positively.com. Yeah. Um, we were just contacted not too long ago to become one of the contributors on her blog. Oh, excellent. So um, we've been doing, we've done a couple posts on there, so that would be another place. Yeah. Um, that's really it for now. Our Facebook page we're most active on. Um, I post there, you know, two or three times a day to yeah. keep everybody engaged. But Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So, I mean, if people want help with a Merle or if they just want to help spread the word, that's the place to go to. Yeah, I would definitely start there. You know, you can always send us a message. Um I'm willing to help with whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Keller, 
she does look a beautiful dog and and you know she she looks a beautiful soul kind of thing you know she's yeah. really <laughs> nice um and you do put lots of pictures of of her on on the the facebook page so that's lovely um well the the best of luck with with keller and you know spreading the word in the future thank you very much while it's wonderful to hear that Keller is living a happy, full life, despite her disabilities, as Amanda asks, why on earth would anyone deliberately breed a dog which is going to lack sight or hearing and find life tougher than they need to? We all know life isn't perfect, but surely the aim should be for as good a life as possible. We have all the links on the Dogcast Radio site where you can find out more about Keller and Amanda and please do spread the word that although male dogs are striking to look at, double male breedings should be avoided at all costs. There's a world of difference between a dog that is off the leash and a dog that is trained to be off the leash. Don Sullivan ever read a book and think, no, it shouldn't happen like that? Well, check out the latest innovation in romantic fiction, Macy's Choice, which puts you in charge of the plot as you make life-changing decisions on the main character's behalf. At the end of each chapter in Macy's Choice, there are always two options and you choose what happens next. With over a million and a half words, that's over 5,000 pages, 256 chapters and 128 different endings, Macy's Choice is an e-book you can reread again and again, making new choices each time to vary your experience to find love with each of the three heroes. To find out more, visit macyschoice.com. That's M-A-C-I-E-S-C-H-O-I-C-E dot com or search for Macy's Choice on Amazon. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Lynn Dubois is a dog trainer who's helped many owners to have fun while learning with their dog. I discovered her through the amazing videos and photos she posts of her dog, Tammy, whom she's taught to do many impressive behaviours. So my first question to Lynn was whether she'd had Tammy since she was a puppy. Yes, I had her from eight weeks old. Yeah, wow. So you you sort of almost have a blank slate then. So um, what was she like as a puppy? Um, Tammy has been the most difficult dog I've ever had to train in my life. Oh, wow. Well, you get <laughs> because... amazing results. <laughs> Um, with Tammy, everything had to be done really, really slowly. Um, I've always had dogs that have been fully motivated, um, either on balls or tall um, t- toys. Tammy um, really lacks that motivation. Um, she definitely wasn't a foodie, and she's a very, very lazy dog. Um, so she's been quite difficult to train, really. Um, like I said, I'm really used to the high-drive dogs, but yeah. we've got there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... What kind? How did you get round that? How, what kind of? Um, did how did you find motivation, or you know, what did you do? It was very difficult at first. Um, she used to eat every two to three days, so we were back and forth to the vet, thinking there was um, something um, physically wrong, yeah. and um, she's really underweight. Um, but she really um, liked. She's a very tactile dog. Oh. Um, most dogs don't like a cuddle, but she absolutely adores. Um, cuddles and um, hands-on so a lot of it was purely um, just hands-on praise and verbal praise um, to start with. Now when when you say she likes a cuddle if anybody at home is picturing a sort of you know a chihuahua or a lassap so uh, tell us what Tammy is what breed is she? She's a Belgian Shepherd. Yeah yeah so I mean they are they're an impressive looking breed um and to me when i think of um a, a belgian shepherd i'm thinking not definitely not aggressive but sort of a little bit sharper and, and and as you say drive so that's quite unexpected isn't it yes um i've had belgian shepherds um, most of my life and they've all been quite high drive mm. and um food motivated so tammy was really a shock to the system for me <laughs> yeah yeah wow okay so is Tammy the dog that sort of led you into training? Because you you you, you are a trainer now, aren't you? Yes. No. No. Um, I've been a trainer for a long time. Yeah. Okay. So um, tell me, how did you go down that path? Um, it sort of just happened, really. Yeah. Um, I started off with dogs when I had a child. Sorry, when I, when it was a child, 
And um, it just evolved. I started training my own dogs, got involved with some um, training clubs, started helping out. And I had a lot of questions to um, ask, and I wasn't getting any answers. Mm-hmm. And um, as I started going into it more, it just really um, evolved. I think it really started with Pepe, um, my poodle, my very first dog. Mm. I was really, really pleased because um, I taught him to jump through a, a hoop. Aww. And um, I sort of got my family and friends, come and see what I've done, come and see what I've done. Yeah, yeah. And they looked and they said, but you're cheating. I said, what do you mean cheating? Well, you're using food, you're <gasps> using a piece of cheese. <laughs> and I, I said, well, how on earth would I do it without using yeah, um, yeah. a piece of cheese? And nobody can actually ask us answer that question yeah. and now right down the line I want to get up and say hey I wasn't cheating I was luring yeah, yeah. but the thing is which one of us would well very few of us would choose to go out to work with no reward I mean you've either got to get a financial reward or it's got to make you feel good but you've got to have a reward exactly everything needs motivation whether it's dogs people um, any animals we all need motivation to do something yeah yeah, but it's funny you, you say about motivation, and their motivation does vary, and I've always used treats with Buddy, because obviously being a Labrador, he's very food-orientated. So I'd always used uh, treats as, as motivation, and we went to do some agility, and he said, have you brought a tug toy? And I went, uh, no, we don't, we don't do tug toys. No. Oh, okay. So he actually used, I'd got like a, like a rope lead, if you like, you know, sort of a plaited rope lead, and he used that like a tug toy with with buddy and got him going over jumps and various things and the reward was you get to play tug at the end and i yeah. would have i i sort of stood there going go on then because you know he was a bit he was young a fantastic trainer but he was younger than me and i thought go on then mate let's see if you can do this and he did it and i, I said to him at the end i did not think you'd do that but buddy was so made it motivated it really brought home to me i'm not exploring all the avenues i could with this dog this is it. It's finding um, what motivates each dog. Um, my previous border collie, um, I had it really lucky. She loved food and she loved toys. She loved playing tug. Yeah. So I could really um, vary um, her rewards. Um, she was just a girl and she just loved everything. Yeah, yeah. She did anything. So a little tiny bit of stale dry biscuit that had been lurking in my pocket for six months. Oh. She'd do anything for it. <laughs> Well, if I offered that to Tam, it'd be no thank you. <laughs> it's a good job they're all different, though. It'd be boring if yeah. they're all the same. Yeah. Okay. So, and then you you are an APDT? Yes. Registered. Pet dog trainers, yes. Yes. Yeah. No. Um, um, I joined them because um, I was really impressed with the code of conduct. Yes. Um, 100% forced retraining. And it was the way that I, I trained. So I thought, yes, I'm going to go for it. And they're a really great bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Now, I know you, I've, I've seen the sort of, whether you want to say trick training or behavior training that you, you sort of do with Tammy, but you do other activities with Tammy, don't you, as well? Um, yes, we do quite a lot. Um, one of the things we do, we make little video clips, and I use Tammy um, for demonstration um, on week one in my classes. And the classes are backed up with video links that Tammy's made, sort of how to do things. Yeah. Um, so after class, I email people, um, this is what we've done um, today. And it just jogs their memory. And um, the feedback that I get from that is really, really good. Yeah, yeah. That's brilliant because sometimes you can get something in the class or maybe not quite get something. And afterwards, you think, did she say this way or that way and if you've got something to look at that's really really good I like that it is um, everyone says they find it really helpful because you can't take everything in in an hour you're no. trying to um, work your own dog you're being told something at the same time and um, it's really really difficult but if you've got that back up just to yeah, there's only a couple of minutes you just click on the button and oh yes that was that was how to do it yeah yeah excellent excellent and um as you say, you, you do other videos that anybody can access, can't you, sort of via Facebook and things? Yes, I've got about 50, 60 videos that are on public um, on YouTube. Uh, I share a lot of them um, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, my videos that I back up the sessions with there um, are my private, um, yeah. private lot. Yeah. 
Now, I know there was, there was a video that I, I liked and, and you had a really good response from other people, which was sort of, it wasn't formal, was it? it was more you and Tammy having fun. Can you tell us about that one? Oh, yes. Well, that's really funny because um, I tend to put things on YouTube and Facebook, our formal training and what she can do. And um, I can spend absolute ages sometimes teaching something. And I just had the video running. We were just doing what we do every day, just a little bit of play and being silly. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I load that up to Facebook. And I couldn't believe the response that I got. I think because people were seeing the side of Tammy that they don't see. It was just Tammy and me being, being silly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they do pick up on your attitude because I can remember... Um, oh gosh, maybe 11 years ago, we saw this thing called an alley-oop. Or alley-oop. Oh yes. You mm. know, it's like a, a weighted bottom and a, a stick with a yellow ball mm. on the top. And you can use it as a target or to go round. And you, it, it's just a, you know, a marker basically mm. for the dog. And we, and we were just coming across at this, this you know, targeting business and clicker training. And so we got one off the internet and sort of started training Buddy with it to go to it, to put his nose on it, put his foot on it, all this kind of thing. And because I was so enthused, Every time we get the alley-oop out, even now, I get the alley-oop out and Buddy's like, oh, oh, great. And he's wagging his tail and, you know, I love this. And I realized mm. that sometimes, that, you know, if you want the basic training, you know, sit, down, stay. I was kind of teaching in a very everyday kind of, come on, Bud, we have to get this done way. And then the trick training, I was kind of, come on, Bud, let's do this. This is going to be great. And he was picking up on my attitude. So they do pick up on yeah. your the way you teach it to them don't they well i always say training should be fun yes um it should be fun for the dog and it should be fun for the owner that way you're both working together and you're both enjoying it the yeah. dogs learn more um it motivates the owners a, a bit more because it's fun and they want to do it they um really enjoy it and that's the way more more training gets done and it's enjoyable and the success rate is a lot better yeah yeah. Do you know, the, the, I think the worst enemy of good training is stress. Yes. Because once you're uptight, the dog's uptight, and, and nothing good happens then, does it? No. Um, stress can um, shut people down. It can shut dogs down. And um, oh, it just stops training. It's got to be relaxed. It's got to be, got to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you get to, the, well, for myself, anyway, if I get to the point where I'm trying to teach one of our dogs anything and it's getting me to the point of thinking, oh, you know, then I think, right, stop, walk away, or do something else or just stop training. Because at that point, it, it's, you're not doing anything useful. No, no. Um, I like to do training in, in really short bursts. Yeah. Um, obviously, each dog um, is different. Tammy's training at first was really about 30 seconds at a time yeah. um, where she didn't have the motivation where my previous dog, so would have gone on forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is. You're absolutely right. It's about matching the length of the session and the style of your presentation. For example, with, with Buddy, um, we, we were part of the Safe and Sound team and we were part of a display at Crufts in the main arena. You know, so he could do the... the the behaviours but he had to do a stay so I sort of would kneel at the side of the arena and I'd have my, you know quite a stern expression on my face and I'd have my hand palm up to him and quite a strong arm you know saying I'm not messing about you really need to stay now mm. you know but when I did that same body language with Rusty in class he would that border collie he would run to me like sort of what have I done? What have I done? Why, why are you yeah. cross with me? So with Rusty, it was a much more gentle <laughs> gesture and a smile on my face to tell him, you know, you're doing the right thing. So just those things, that, those ruts you get into can, can derail you. You need to think about the dog, don't you? Definitely. Yeah, this is the difference between um, old-fashioned training and um, reward-based training. Now, it really, really builds up that bond. Yes. And yeah. it really does. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, now I know that sort of part of your positive approach, you like to use shaping, don't you? So can you, can you explain shaping to us? Um, shaping is non-directional learning as opposed to directional learning. Most of the things that I teach um, Tammy is through the shaping method. Hmm. Um, I like to actually give a demonstration of, of this to explain it. Um, but it's where the dog uses um, their brain to work out for themselves um, what you want. Hmm. 
um, instead of us telling the dog what to do, they have to puzzle it out themselves. And each little tiny um, bit that they do towards the end goal gets a, a tick, and, tick and tree. So we very, very slowly raise the criteria until we've got the behaviour um, that, that we want. And the dogs learn that we want them to offer us something. A dog that hasn't done any shaping will stand there and wait for you to give them directions, whether that be a verbal cue or a hand signal. But a dog that's done a lot of shaping, they know to offer you something. And it's usually with a waggy tail and a smile on their face. Yeah, we're doing this, we enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And it seems to stick better, doesn't it, in their minds because it's something they've offered or chosen to do and then you've reinforced it. Once something is shaped, um, it's usually lifelong learned. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's really a positive way um, to train a dog and it's great fun. And it increases their um, brain power. It makes them think for themselves. It makes them make those those right choices. And it's tiring um, because it's all um, brain work. Well, you know yourself, um, if you use your brain to be sat down at a desk, you might not move, but when you get up, you can be really physically tired because you've just used your brain. You haven't done anything. You haven't got out the chair. But because you've been using your brain, you're really mentally tired, and that just tires you out. Same as a dog. Um, so it's really good. A lot, yeah. a lot of dogs nowadays just are not given it enough to do. No, no, absolutely. It can be really useful. I've only used shaping a, a little bit because um, I'd trained Buddy, sort of, you know, the, all the basics. And then when he was about four, we got Star, who's a, a Bichon Frise, and um, much smaller dog. And I could not get her to, uh, to, to sort of get into a down position, to lie down. And I couldn't use the same strategy I'd used with Bird because she was near the ground and she could just drop her head and get the treat and the sort of thing. She didn't, I couldn't lure her into the position. So we'd, we'd used clicking with her and she knew what a clicker was and that she was going to get a treat. So I, I told her to do some things and clicked and treated. And then I just sat back and waited. And she was actually amazing because the first thing she did was lie down. And I don't know whether she thought, well, you're going on strike, I'm going on strike. <laughs> but she lay down. So then we could just mm-hmm. keep clicking this and then eventually put a word to it. And mm-hmm. it was such a brilliant solution to what I thought was sort of a bit of an impasse. Mm-hmm. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Oh, I just absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Now, you you do showing with Tammy, don't you? Um, I, I used to do um, showing with her. Um, I don't do it now. I, I teach it more now at the yeah. moment. Okay. Um, and, and what's your approach to sort of ring craft? What, what's your approach? Um, all positive, loose leads. Um, I, I use a lot of shaping. I do um, the self-stack. I use cabalettis for a movement and improvement of the dog's gait. What's that? A cabaletti, you say? It's um, like um, little poles that the dogs go over, but instead of jumping over, they um, flow over. Oh, right, okay, um, yeah. It makes them body aware, um, makes them very, very aware of the back ends. Um, it's, it's hard to explain really, but I do have um, a Cavaletti um, video on, on my YouTube, Great, which okay. actually shows what, um, yeah. what it is. Oh, we'll put a link to that then, I'll, mm. I'll, yeah, Cavaletti. I did have it in slow motion, but for some reason YouTube's um, fastened it up. <laughs> it's a very old one. No time to wait on YouTube. <laughs> Oh, yeah, excellent. Um, so again, extending that sort of all positive and, and gentle, even into showing. Yes, I like all the dogs go around on a loose lead. I hate to see a, a, dog, a dog strung up. Yeah. Um, it, as well as not being very nice for the dog, um, it alters um, the top line of the dog as well. Yeah. And I hate to see a dog being moved all the time in the ring, like but trying to stand the dog up, you move the front foot, and then the back foot will move, you move this one and the other one for me. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it is ongoing, but I like a dog to um, stand nicely on his own. That's why I use the self stacking and I use um, shaping for that. And I think um, the difference is you do some, like some cavalettes and you do some shaping, and then the dog and owner, they're flowing around the ring as one. It's not um, two separate, a dog and an owner going around. They're flowing together as one, and you can really, really see the difference. Yeah, 
Yeah. And that, I guess, should be our aim. Whatever sport or fun activity we're doing with our dog, we want to be as one with the dog. We want to work as a team, don't we? We want to strengthen that bond. Exactly. Yes. I think this is what, what, what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, you, you, you get some amazing behaviours out of Tammy. Um, and I do recommend that people go in and check out your videos because they're, they're brilliant and inspiring. You know, if, when you see what you can do, you think, oh, I'll have a go, see if I can do, you know, anything with my dog. So it, it's really, really good. Um, talk us through some of the things you've done with Tammy because I know one thing you, you um, find really useful to teach is hand touch, you know, a target. Is that right? Yes, I like a dog to um, touch my hand and follow my hand. Yeah. Um, I hate when my pet hates is to see a dog being pulled around by, by its collar. Mm. A, it's not doing the dog's neck any good. It's not um, building up your relationship with your dog. No. Plus, it makes the dog hand shy, mm. which can have a knock-on effect. If you're walking down the road and a, a child comes out, puts your ha- their hand towards your dog... If the dog doesn't know that hands are good, what reaction is the dog going to give? Yeah. Um, with yeah. a hand follow, you can move your dog without even touching your dog. Um, a while back, I had three large dogs, and I got a little tiny galley kitchen you can't move. Oh. Well, I can move all my dogs without laying a hand on them, just yeah. by getting them to follow my hand. You can um, change the direction that they're, they're going. Um, anything. It's a really useful behaviour. In fact, it's one of the first behaviours um, that I teach when I get young puppies in. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And do you have any, any videos on, on teaching that? Um, I do I do have some. Um, I, though it's in my private um, collection, but oh, right. I'd be more than happy um, to send it out to anybody. Oh, great. Okay. That, I think that would be useful because... Um, you know, being shown... It, when you're very familiar with clicker training and, and shaping, you know... It, it's easy to sort of say, oh, this is how we do it. But I think for people wanting to do this and coming to it new, I think that would be really useful. That would be great. Yes, I've got two. The first one is um, the hand touch, mm. and the next one is following the hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and is it reasonably easy to teach? It's one of the easiest things to, um, to teach. It's very, very basic. Yeah. I suppose if you've got the treat, I mean, I don't know whether you you would teach it this way, but if you've got the treat in your hand, they will naturally follow you, won't they? Yes, yes. Um, I do start off with um, with treating between my my fingers, but that is really um, quickly moved so those dogs then fall on the hand. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Okay. And what other behaviours have have you found really, you know, useful to teach, Tammy? Um, Well, one of the things that I really like um, teaching is loosely walking. Hmm. I find that makes a real big difference um, to whether people take their dogs out a lot. Um, A dog that will walk nicely on a lead um, is more likely to get taken out than a dog that that doesn't. And it makes a walk um, really pleasant. And it just, once again, it improves the bond between the dog and owner. That's one of the things that I really thing everyone should spend a bit of time doing yeah yeah and yet it's really tricky and we all and and mm-hmm. me too you know I've, I've sort of gone out and thought I'll buy, I'll buy this harness or collar or whatever and you think I want a quick fix I want this lead walking but it is it is that's quite tricky isn't it well I think what it is um, most people expect too much too soon yeah um, you wouldn't expect your dog to do um, training for too long yet when you take your dog out, if you're going out for half an hour or something, you expect your dog to walk nicely for half an hour. Yeah. And I think realistically, that's a little bit um, too much to start with. It needs building up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it is, if you can get that, because um, with Buddy, he was a little monkey when he was little and it took a long time for him to, and actually, that was clicker training that got that in the end. And it was like we clicked when he had a loose lead. And you could see this light bulb almost and him thinking, oh, oh, so you don't want me to pull. You know? yeah. And once he stopped pulling, it, I mean, he is a pleasure to walk with now. Mm. But if you do have a dog that pulls, it's uncomfortable for you. It's uncomfortable for them. So it is an important thing to teach, isn't it? It's very important, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, any, any other behaviours? Um, the thing that I, I taught Tammy, which was useful and um, I think most people find quite impressive is, is to walk um, holding a spoon with a ball on it. <laughs> <laughs> Useless thing. <laughs> but um, impressive, but no, actually, it's impressed me. <laughs> um, I started off by teaching her because I, 
um, showed her when she was younger, I started off teaching her to hold her head um, up when she walked. Mm. Of course, that's what you have to do when you walk walking with a spoon, your metal ball on. You have to hold your head up or else the ball's going to fall, fall down. <laughs> so um, that's involved quite a few things. One, walking with the head up, um, holding something um, in her mouth, and then having the ball on the spoon and then put, putting it all together. Mm. And we literally did that one step at a time. Yes, yeah. It's, that's important, isn't it, to break it down into manageable yeah. steps. Exactly. When I first um, put that on, someone said, oh, you've glued the spoon, um, the ball to the spoon. Yeah. Of course, I had to reshoot it with me actually putting... <laughs> ball on it <laughs> <laughs> how suspicious people are <laughs> uh, you see I've got a picture now of Tammy sort of you know entering um, sports day at some schools and, and beating children and yeah I can carry the egg further than you <laughs> oh bless her that, that really is that, that is impressive that's brilliant and as you say if you do some of these behaviours and obviously make them fun but then you get that extra fun of being able to show them off to other people yeah yeah yeah. Yes. It's uh, but it amazes me how many people. I mean, our dogs do fairly basic things. They will all sit or down, you know, when you give them command. And it amazes me when we're out and about and people will will just see them do a sit on command and go, "Oh, he's well trained." And you think, "Well, he he's not actually, you know, extremely trained, but shouldn't every dog sit when asked?" I mean, I know greyhounds for example find it difficult, but they should do a sit or a down, shouldn't they? Uh, well, yes, um, any dog can um, do most things. I mean, yeah. it's just a case of um, doing some training and persevering with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And making well, it fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's my motto, make it fun. <laughs> definitely, I, I like that. So tell me a little bit about your classes. How do you organise your classes? Um, I have a maximum of four dogs um, per class. Yeah. Um, that way um, there's individual tensions um, for each dog. And for the first classes, I have um, another trainer with me, um, Ian. Yes, there's always um, two trainers um, on the first courses, Ian Sneddon and myself. Ian is also associated pet dog trainer um, registered. Some of you, um, some people have probably seen Bella, who's his colleague, um, on my Facebook page. Mm. Um, she's really clever. Oh, excellent! Yeah. So everybody gets personal attention. The first session I always do without dogs. I think it's very hard for people to um, have a dog with them for an hour, listen to what I'm saying, and I'm keeping the dog quiet and occupied. So the first session is without dogs. Um, I do a talk, um, introduce the clicker, how I I work, and give a lot of basic information. And then at the end, Tammy comes in and does her bit. Which she absolutely adores. Yeah. Oh, that's your. That's your. Here's one I made earlier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to inspire people. Excellent. Brilliant. You sound a fantastic, trainer Lynn. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, where can people find out more about you online? Um, I've got my website, Tammy's Dog Training. Um, I am in the middle of updating that, but there's quite a bit of information there. Mm-hmm. Um, also got my Facebook page, Tammy's Dog Training. Yep. I've got two fun Facebook pages, the Tammy and Harry Productions. Um, Harry is my friend's clever dog, and I know you've talked to Chris yes, before. Yes, yeah. Well, I've, I've met Harry. And, and, yes, um, yes cause they, Harry. Yeah, they were at Crofton. Yeah, another very clever dog. And, and mm-hmm. again, you can see the relationship between them is just fabulous, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And um, then I've got another Facebook um, page called Tammy and the Twins. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. a bit of a twee page. Um, <laughs> a bit of a story behind that. Yeah. Um, I had um, Tammy holding an egg in a spoon. Yeah. And then I saw these little two chicks. So I, I picked them up, took the egg away and put the two chicks in, in the spoon. <laughs> and um, I put it on Facebook and I said, Oh my God, my ex hatched is twins. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't expect it, but the next morning there was all these comments, and I thought, oh, this is popular. Yeah. So I started up um, the page, Tammy and the Twins, and um, it's just taken off. Um, Tammy's actually clicker training these twins. <laughs> 
Um, so, yes, there's a bit of a tweed page, but there's a bit of a moral bit behind it yeah. as well. Yeah. And it's just a bit of fun. Oh, lovely. I, I, that is the key, isn't it? Keep it fun, keep everybody mm. happy. Yes, it, it, it is. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Thanks ever so much for that, Lynn, and, and the best in the future for you and Tammy. Thank you very much, Julie. And, and the twins. <laughs> <laughs> and the twins. <laughs> I love Lynn's approach to training and I recommend you check out her videos and see for yourself the amazing things she gets her dog to do. We have all the links Lynn mentioned on the Dogcast Radio site so you can find out how to have more fun while training your dog. The only creatures that are evolved enough to convey pure love are dogs and infants. Johnny Depp Did you see the news story recently about a small dog in California who saw off two bears who climbed over the gate and entered her garden, apparently in search of food? There's video from the security cameras of plucky little Jules, a French bulldog, running straight up to the bears and not leaving them alone until they jumped back over the gate with what has to be described as an air of bewilderment. You can see the video on the Dogcast Radio site. Clearly, autumn can be a dangerous time for dogs. It's not just hungry bears, but seasonal canine illness in the UK and toxic algae is an issue in many countries, so you need to be on the lookout right now to keep your dog safe. On that note, don't forget, if you're in the UK and dreading bonfire night next month, or, indeed, if you're anywhere around the world where fireworks are used and distress your dog, you can listen to the advice in last month's show about how to help your dog through fireworks season. So until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dog cast radio that's all one word dog cast radio by email you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com when contacting us by email if you have the facilities please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file that way we can include them directly in our program we can accept most formats for example wav mp3 all these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. A dog walks into a bar and hops up on a stool. He looks the bartender in the eye and says, Hey, guess what? I can talk. Have you ever seen a talking dog before? Can I have a drink? The bartender smiles and says, Sure, the toilet's right around the corner. <laughs>